church has gone from just a few in an upper room to thousands in Jerusalem. The mission has commenced, and it's all about following Jesus. On The Bible Brief. Tell a friend about The Bible Brief today. Your recommendation can help your friends learn the Bible in a new way. Tap share on your podcast player and share your favorite episode. Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Jesus had two fundamental messages during all his time on the earth. Two messages that form a symbiotic relationship such that one cannot exist without the other. They form two wings of an airplane that won't fly without both of them. And these messages are simple. The first is this. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This message was an announcement by Jesus that the kingdom is coming and coming soon. In fact, with Jesus on the earth, the kingdom was closer than it had ever been to its fulfillment. But this announcement came with a command. Repent, turn around, change directions. Jesus was telling the people that it was time to choose a different way instead of their own way. And it was time because the kingdom of heaven was at hand. This first message was critical because it announced to every individual that the wrong direction wouldn't make them fit for the kingdom. Repentance was the appropriate reaction to the news of the coming kingdom. But perhaps your reaction to this is similar to the reaction of many in the crowd that Jesus spoke to. Repent and what? What direction should I go in? What's the right path to take? Should I go with the Pharisees? Maybe the Sadducees? This denomination? That denomination? That church across town? Which direction should I go? And this brings us to the second fundamental message of Jesus, the other wing of the plane. The second is this, follow me. It's a simple enough command with a thousand implications for life. Jesus says to every disciple that the direction to go is the way of Jesus. This, in fact, is the essence of what discipleship means. In the New Testament Greek, disciple means something like transforming learner. A disciple is a learner who is transformed by what he or she is learning, and this transformation makes them more and more like their teacher. In fact, Jesus says this, A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. Jesus says, follow me, and in this short phrase, he commands a total change of life. Follow me means to become like him. So as we think about these two messages of Jesus, the two wings of the plane, we gain some clarity about what Jesus means by both. When he says repent, he doesn't just mean to change. He means to change and follow the path of Jesus. When he says the kingdom is near, he's giving the reason for turning and following him. When he says follow me, he's giving a new direction for the life of a disciple. 
The direction is the way of Jesus to become like Jesus. The disciple of Jesus is simply a follower who seeks to be like his teacher, who follows his teachings and conforms to the master. This is the essence of discipleship, and it's the essence of the call of those original disciples after the resurrection. Jesus said to them, All authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. A paraphrase of this might be something like, I am the king and I say this to you. Go make more disciples, baptize them in the name of Yahweh, and teach them to obey all my commands. Jesus commands the disciples to keep going with the ministry that Jesus started. Make more disciples, teach them to follow me and believe in me, teach them my commands, help them learn to obey. This has been the church's mission since its very beginning there in Jerusalem at Pentecost. Every generation has continued to live this command from Jesus before he rose. We have sought to be disciples, and in the process called others to be disciples as well. We have sought to live in the way of the Master, so that others can see the way they should go. And we've been empowered by the Holy Spirit to proclaim the good news of Jesus to the nations. This is the basis for the church and the core of its mission. We are to be Jesus' ambassadors— who look more and more like him every day. Now, with all that said, it's only after the mission is understood that we can properly grasp the commands of Jesus. And this is because there's a critical mistake that we can make if we don't understand the commands in the context of the mission. Every command by Jesus is a command to conform to him in some way. It's as if Jesus is saying, follow me and do this. This is what I do. And so this is what you should do. Absent discipleship, these commands can appear like a set of rules to be followed that make you a follower or not. If you follow the rules, you're good. But if you don't, you're bad. This isn't quite right, though. The commands are obeyed because they are the way of the master. They are the steps that we take to follow the one we're following. We're not following the rules. We're following Jesus. The commands are steps along the path. Understanding the commands of Jesus in this way can help us understand discipleship as well. We look at ourselves, those of us who are followers of Jesus, and we can see that many of the commands he gave are not even followed in our own hearts. If we take some of the commands in the Sermon on the Mount as an example, we discover huge flaws in ourselves. Jesus says, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Do we do that? Jesus says, If you looked at a woman with lustful intent, you've committed adultery with her in your heart. Have we done that? Jesus says, Do not be anxious about your life. But we all get anxious sometimes, don't we? Jesus is illustrating via these commands what a good life looks like. A life that doesn't do those things, but instead does to others what he or she would like done to them. Now, if we look at these commands and use them as an obedience checklist, a way to earn our standing before God, we'll be missing the point of the commands. Yes, they're to be obeyed, but not as a means of righteousness. Instead, they're to be obeyed as a means of following Jesus. Jesus describes the path and tells us to follow him on the path. 
And think about what this cost Jesus. He went to the cross and suffered unfathomably because of love. Love for his enemies. Love for the cheating tax collector and love for the prostitute. Love for you and for me. Jesus called his disciples to follow him, and he told them to count the cost as well. He didn't mince words when he said it will cost you everything. He says, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters and, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Now, obviously, Jesus here doesn't mean to hate your family like we think of hate. Otherwise, we'd love our enemies and hate our family. That makes very little sense. Instead, what he means here is that nothing and no one should come between us and Jesus. Not our parents, not our spouse, not our children, not even our own life. We are always to prefer Jesus. But don't miss what he says next. He connects bearing our own crosses with following Jesus. He says, Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Notice that the cross-bearing here is done as a means of following Jesus. Crosses come as a byproduct of discipleship. Where the teacher goes, we follow. The life of the Christian is the life of a disciple. We follow Jesus, and in following, we encounter questions of priority, questions of morality, questions even of life and death. But the core answer to these questions is not cold-hearted analysis. Instead, it's the heart of faith that says, I'm repenting of my own way. I'm choosing the uncommon way of the kingdom. Where Jesus goes, I follow. Now, with the commands of Jesus set in their proper context, we can't miss one other key piece of what it means to be a disciple. It means partnership with God, as he sends the Holy Spirit into every believer's heart. This is the Spirit that filled the disciples at Pentecost and caused them to speak in tongues of all those gathered in Jerusalem. This is the Spirit Jesus promised to them at the Passover meal before his death. This is the Spirit of truth who would guide them into all truth, who would comfort them and who would help them. Now, lest we separate the essential unity of God, this means that God himself indwells us. Elsewhere, the Spirit is called the Spirit of God's Son and the Spirit of Christ. So in some way, while Jesus himself is physically in heaven, even so, through the Holy Spirit, he's also with every believer. How this works isn't described for us exactly, but it's a wonderful truth to take in. The one who we follow is also helping us to follow. The one who commands each step helps us take each step. And the one who is the way to the Father guides us on the way to the Father. In this age of the church, when Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven, the church exists as an extension of Jesus and his ministry to the world. We tell others to repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And we echo Jesus' words to all the disciples, saying, Follow me. 
we invite people to believe in the Son, that they may go to the Father and be indwelt by the Spirit. And while we're on the way, we strive to follow every command of Jesus, seeking to become more and more like our Master. The disciples were given an impossible mission of global impact as they were to preach and teach the words of Jesus and the love of God. But like others before them, they weren't left without help. Just as God said to Moses before the Exodus, I will be with you. Just as God said to Joshua before the land's conquest, I will be with you. And so here, at this great commission of the disciples, Jesus said, Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Join us next time as the church begins its explosive expansion and the disciples begin to see the kind of crosses they'll bear as they follow their master. The Bible Brief is brought to you by the Bible Literacy Foundation, dedicated to helping people like you learn the Bible. Copyright Bible Literacy Foundation 2023